Welcome to Cups and Cakes presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you are about to hear was originally recorded on September 24th, 2017. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. This is Jeff McCallum, and you've tuned in to Inside the Artist Studio. Wares is the project of Edmontonian Cassia Hardy. Hailed in her hometown as one of the city's best live acts, she started hitting the road hard in recent years and has been pleasing ears all across the country. Most times you'll catch her on stage by herself delivering frenetic performances of the best guitar music heard in years. If you're lucky, perhaps you've been able to see her shine on stage with a band, turning her fan favorites into even louder rock and roll statements. Early this October, she finally released her first full length through Double Lunch Records. Joining me today is Cassia Hardy. Welcome to Cups and Cakes. Happy to be here. So you just released your debut album. I was wondering if you could give us some of the details surrounding it. Well, the album was recorded uh, almost a year ago in December of 2016. I recorded it with my good pal Lori Matheson, who actually did all the Napalm Pom stuff. Yeah. Um, you're wearing a Napalm Pom shirt right now for <laughs> those of you at home. He's in a wonderful, wonderful band called Night Committee that uh, I saw at just the right time to be totally blown away. And um, he also did a bit of work with Ray Spoon. So yeah, it was wonderful to work with him. It was like six days in the dead of winter with uh, Connor Ellinger and Dean Carufi, who I'm sure you've heard in a billion other projects that have been featured on this show. So it was awesome to work with them. Uh, was there a particular reason you chose to go with Laurie or was it just, it was always going to be Laurie? I think seeing him work in My Prairie Home, which is like Ray Spoonstock, um, it was that and Samantha Savage Smith, her record, and uh, probably The Mandates, all these like nice. Calgary heavy hitters. The last one, I was like, oh, like me knowing nothing about Laurie's like history, like decades of like doing these awesome like sort of cowpunk bands. Um, it's like, oh, well, he knows how to get loud. Well, maybe I'll hit him up then. Nice. We actually, the first time we actually properly talked was when I played Chris Suk's birthday party. And he was like, how about this? Uh, where's the night committee does an EP of songs together? And I was like, well, how about you actually just do my record? <laughs> and he like raised his eyebrows and seemed a bit taken aback. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I like overstepped, but it ended up being okay. Perfect. The album is made up of standards from your live sets. Some songs carry the sound of your solo shows, some are a little bit more like your full band sound, but it's the flourishes of saxophone and drones that are unexpected and offer up a new dynamic. What got you experimenting with those sounds? Oh, that's always been a a real passion of mine. I can't really pinpoint a time when I was, when I got into like weird drony music, Mm -hmm. but, Living with Mustafa from Sweaty Palms and Pyramid Indigo certainly didn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, did you always envision that saxophone part in City Kids? Yes. Okay. 100%. Uh, very early incarnations of that song that 
little whistling bit was actually a harmonica part. Okay. And it sort of morphed as I played it more and more and um, lost my taste for harmonica, I yeah. suppose. It just sort of popped into my head. I can't really pinpoint a, a thing. I just thought it would sound really nice. And I had the pleasure of working with Jonathan Wilkie, yeah. uh, who with Chris Dadge does Bug Incision in Calgary. Yeah. He just came in for the session. I'd never met him before. I We were in the studio. It was like the second day of recording. And I was like, hey, Laurie, do you know any saxophone players? And he, got, he was like, uh, okay, I'll ask around. <laughs> and yeah, within two hours, he found someone and uh, a really pleasant experience for one of the other songs on the record like the like dirt it's called um he's like duetting with himself playing alto and tenor and um yeah i gave him very little direction i he he told me to direct him while we were playing so um he was doing his thing i told him to play some like out stuff and um, I was just looking at him googly-eyed, and when I wanted to go <laughs> higher, I just like held my hands in the air and jumped up. And when I wanted him to go lower, I like crouched down, and that's how that came about. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite song in the album, by the way. Oh wow! I absolutely thanks. love that song. Okay, going back to some of the great studio musicians that you hired to record the album with you. What made you go that route instead of enlisting your usual backing band? Oh, well, I, I don't really have a usual backing band. Oh, uh, I've okay. gone through a few lineups in my time. Connor and Dean are great. I've seen them on stage for years and years and years. I used to go to this open mic that mm-hmm. Rhea March ran. Um, at the time, it was under the U22 banner. I wasn't a member of U22, but mm-hmm. uh, she hosted an open stage. And that was the first time I think I properly saw them as the Dean Karufi trio. Um, Dean and Connor and Ross, I believe. They've always they're just like goofy, laid-back guys that are that know how to play in the pocket. Yeah. Um, world-class musicians, if you ask me, and it was a pleasure to, to work with them. Uh, Dean particularly is really good at filling in parts and even suggesting things for the live show to tighten things up. He helped a lot in his time with the group. Nice. I'm currently working with some um, really really great people, Matthew Gooding and Holly Greaves who um, Matt played in Doug Hoyer and Ghost Cousin back in the day, and uh, Holly plays in a band called Doom Patrol. You know, that's re- that's really been gelling. They're easier to get a hold of than Connor and Dean, who are, I think, in like two or three dozen groups. Yeah, Between the two of them, yeah. And I've been um, giving them the songs off this record, as well as like, you know, coming up, bringing them new material, and uh, I'm really excited for how the songs are developing. And by the time I think this thing comes out, this podcast comes out, um, we'll have been on tour for a little while and I'm, I'm really excited to see um, what they do with my songs. I want them to mutilate them absolutely and totally. <laughs> well, you mentioned the tour. Where does it start? Where does it end? What's kind of your route here? I'm going to Victoria for the first weekend and then Winnipeg to the second. Okay, nice. Yeah. So the prairie, well, BC and the prairies. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, your Edmonton show. When when are we going to finally get to uh, purchase this album, see you release it properly? So the record's out on October 6th. Okay. Uh, and it'll be online. And I think I might drop a couple copies off at my record stores of choice. Mm-hmm. So there will maybe be like, you know, three or four copies floating around the city. Um I, I'll, I'll come back on October 26th. Okay. Can I interrupt real quick? What are your record stores of choice? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, they all hold a place in my heart. 
Um, oh my god. Oh, this is uh, a real my, personal my question, my eh? Favorite, <laughs> to my personal taste, my favorite record store to just aimlessly wander around and create dig is Listen Records. That would be my favorite as well. Yeah, yeah. it's it's good shit. Yeah. <laughs> The album is released through Double Lunch Records. What made you decide to go with Craig's label? Maybe this will be a longer story. We'll see what happens. We'll see what comes out of my mouth. But um, I turned 18 pretty much right when the Wonder Bar opened. Okay. And so for a very long time in my life, Craig has, uh, whether he's noted or not, played a pretty central role in shaping the music that I come to value. Mm -hmm. When I heard he was starting up a label... Um, the part of me that wasn't like, Jesus, how many things can this guy do at once? <laughs> was like, oh, great, this is going to be, I bet he's going to have a sense of curation and he's going to get some like really cool bands into it. And it's also just going to be a community label. Like he's going to do what he can for his, for the people that like make art in this city, uh, which is something I think you've been pretty, you've been able to count on him to do for mm -hmm. however many years now. It seemed like a pretty natural fit. Yeah. Uh, see, seeing the Sister Ray tape come out, and oh, who else? Switches, Bird's Bare Arms. Yeah. Um, made me think that like I, I had a home there. Okay. Yeah. A lot of things, I guess. Yeah. Over over the years, it's been a pleasure to work with Craig. Like the first time I ever got booked at Wonder Bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the opportunities he's given me. This is just the next step, I suppose. Perfect. So you're talking about how busy Craig is, but you're pretty busy yourself. You're also a member of Power Buddies. So I wanted to know, how do you balance wares, Power Buddies, a normal job, and still have time for a life? Three uh, not super normal jobs. Three? Uh, okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, music is my passion, and it is the most rewarding part of my life, and it is the reason I get out of bed in the morning. And it seems entirely natural to me to fit the rest of my life around that. And okay. that will always be the case, I think. Um, music will drive my life. I will very confidently say that. It will drive my life for my whole life. And whatever shape that takes has yet to be determined. But right now, I am fine uh, washing dishes to make rent <laughs> yeah. and going on tour and being able to make records and playing music with my friends and making new friends through my music. What else would I rather do with my time? It gets hectic sometimes, for sure. Being in a band that's as committed as Power Buddies and as committed as I am to my own songs. Yeah. I'm not gonna say there aren't some weird, like three rehearsals in a day moments, but like, <laughs> it's all worth it. You get on stage and it's like peak human experience. Like there's, there's no other, Thing to describe it the best thing about being alive for me is performing nice so everything else is just supplementing that it's great perfect so what does the rest of 2017 maybe the start of 2018 have in store for wares rest of 2017 and 2018 um i feel like i haven't played a lot in edmonton recently my last local show was in june for the aviary fundraiser mm -hmm. and um that's a long time. I went the whole summer without playing in Edmonton. Uh, that's very strange to me. So I feel like I'm just going to be one of those bands that plays like obnoxiously often <laughs> because it's just what I love to do and get on the new record. We'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. Nice. Um, I'd love to go east. 
Yeah. I would love to hit the Maritimes again. That was a really special time to her last September with Power Buddies. Yeah. Um, spending like a, a solid week of dates beside the Atlantic Ocean. I had no idea how much that was going to affect me and yeah. how positively. So I'd love to do that again. Music video. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't mentioned it yet, but you are transgendered. Mm-hmm. And I only had one question regarding, regarding this. Uh, whether you like it or not... You are and will continue to be an inspiration for transgendered people, young and old. So I was wondering if you might be able to offer up how you deal with ignorant people when they approach you. Okay, so we're going to start off with a little teachable moment here. Um, Transgender is an adjective. Okay. uh, Not a verb. So it's not transgendered. It is transgender, like transgender woman, which I am. Yeah. not a person being transgendered. Yeah. Um, that's just like a minor, like, grammatical thing. It's not the end of the world, obviously. Language is flexible and fluid, but as far as I understand, that is correct. Okay. Um, I don't really focus on the shitty people in my life. I'm very fortunate that in my music, in the music community in Edmonton, I'm very accepted and I have a lot of friends and I feel pretty respected. Yeah. You know, going on tour, uh, there's a degree of ignorance that you have to deal with, but any gender variant or non-heterosexual person in the world knows exactly the level of benign ignorance that I'm talking about in the arts. Absolutely. (laughs) You just find the people who get it and you hang out with them. (laughs) And uh, as long as nobody's a jerk, it's nothing personal. You just hang out with the people who you have things in common with. As far as me being a role model, that's still something I'm trying to accept. It's not a whether I like it or not. I really would, I really want to do everything I can mm-hmm. to put out into the world uh, an energy and a spirit that I didn't have when I was there, when I was coming up. And, um, you know, my experience as artist in residence at Camp Firefly taught me a lot about how I might be able to do that, yeah. practically speaking. Um, If there are any gender or sexual minority youth listening to this podcast, I love you. Being trans is sick as hell, and you're the coolest for being that way. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise, because they are full of shit. And you're the best. Okay, well, that kind of wraps up part one of the interview. Part two is our rapid-fire questions. So, um, you know, uh, we're going to get a little bit goofy here, hopefully, and we'll see where these questions take us. Let's we'll start with uh, what album sparked your love of music? Oh, uh, <laughs> Ride the Lightning. Nice. Nice. Uh, what's your current musical obsession? Sade. Pizza or burgers? Burgers. How do you take your coffee? Black. What's the best movie you've seen recently? Don't watch a ton of movies. Uh, give me a sec. Last movie, good movie. Mm. Oh, I watched Spirited Away. Spirited Away is great. Alcohol or marijuana? Alcohol. What's your drink of choice? I really love... <laughs> Christ, this is one of those answers. Uh, the Blind Man Kettle Sour, but not... The kettle, there's like a variant on the kettle sour that's like 
really fruity and nice. And we had it at my workplace, Derivera on tap. Yeah. And it was super good. It's so good. <laughs> also, gimlets if I'm uh, not drinking beer. Nice. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? The best thing that happened to me on stage? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm really big on eye contact with mm-hmm. the people I'm on stage with. Um, when I'm playing with Power Buddies, one of my favorite things to do is while we're playing a song, I just look at one of the other members and um, I try and lock eyes with them and smile. And I just <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you're important to me. <laughs> and this is really fun. And like, look what we're doing together. And it's what I trans- try to transmit with my eye contact. And um, with wares, it's it's a similar thing, just like looking at both my bandmates and making sure they're like happy and comfortable and feeling good. A funny thing that happened to me on stage one time is one uh, I was playing the Commonwealth in Calgary. We were opening for Mets. Yeah. And just playing on stage, whatever, like having a good time. And it's like a pretty loud and fast song we're playing. And I look out into the crowd and there's this like six foot plus cowboy in the audience, <laughs> like full uh, like farm equipment logo shirt and cowboy hat. And nice. he's looking right, like we looked, made eye contact with each other and he's just screaming, like his mouth is open and he's just so jazzed yelling at me. And I can't even hear him because everything's so loud. But, uh, and I, I didn't talk to him or anything. Like he didn't try and say hey or anything. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a a pretty surreal moment. To just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> that is so cool. But glad you're having fun. What's the strangest job you've ever had? I was a stagehand at Jubilation's Dinner Theater for three months. <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> um, I worked. The production I worked was called Night at the Museum after the Ben Stiller movie. Okay, uh, yeah. So Night at the Museum of Rock and Roll. Yeah. So it's about this uh, security guard, this like Paul Blart-esque security guard <laughs> that um, works at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Yeah. in Cleveland, I believe. It's this weird love story. It was this weird love story. This is back in 2010. I like, just turned 18. Okay. Um, and he falls in love with... Um, Kelly Clarkson (laughs) (laughs) and like John Lennon's in it and Elvis and Madonna (laughs) and uh, it was pretty wild yeah yeah (laughs) there was um, a wooden grand piano it wasn't like filled with any it was just like a stage grand piano yeah Uh, and the stage itself like was on an axis it spun 360 degrees so okay. there was like uh whenever one part was out the, the other was behind so we had to like lift these big wooden signs and this piano there was the time where we had to move like the time in the show where we had to move the piano on and off the stage and it took all three of us yeah and the other two co-workers got intermingled in this horribly dramatic love affair between the two of them <laughs> and i was just so bewildered by the show and these two drama and the weird everything and um the tail end of that job went out for drinks after the show one time and ended up at wonder bar for the very first time october 23rd 2010 and i saw owls by nature nice yeah well the tail end of that weird job was uh one of the first days of the rest of my life yeah (laughs) way to bring it all together (laughs) impressive what's your favorite superhero i gotta say batman probably 
because it's so improbable that we would ever get along in real life or I would ever have any respect for Bruce Wayne or Batman if they were to exist in real life. Um, I really, really like Frank Miller's book. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Return of the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight yeah. Returns or something. It's the one where Batman's old. Yes. And they're gripping with like, the the, like Returns. Batman's a, a fascist. Yeah. Like, and like, what the hell is he doing back? Like, yeah. this wasn't necessarily asked for. I loved that. Um, I really enjoyed The Watchmen. Ozymandias, I yeah. thought, was a really compelling character. I wish I... All my superhero knowledge is very dated from when I was 16 years old and got like super into comic books for about seven months because the singer in my first ever band was super into comic books. <laughs> so I read all of his and then stopped. <laughs> you just listed like two of my favorite comic books of all time. Like the two most necessary reads, I think, in my opinion. Sweet. So. <laughs> Nobody can ever answer that question. <laughs> Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. What was your first car? A uh, 1992 Honda Accord that I bought for $300. Sweet. What's the best Canadian city to play? There's good shows all over the place. You can go to the weird little interior BC towns or like Sudbury, Ontario is like a, a nice little spot. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, major cities, there's, like, a lot of, like, action there and a lot of layers and um, something to see every night of the week. But some of my favorite cities to play in are, like, kind of out of the way. Nanaimo. I've always had a good time in Nanaimo. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite. There's a lot of good stops. That's fair. Do you have a least favorite Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> so one time, Power Buddies played this place called Kenora, Ontario. This was back in September of 2016. And uh, a good pal of ours who grew up there hooked us up with the show. It was at a theater, and mm -hmm. we didn't realize that we were going to be the only band on this bill. The stage was about two feet wide and, like, 12 feet long. Okay. Um... So we all had to set up in a line. It was very strange. And we were directly following a trivia night. Oh, my goodness. It was very strange. So obviously we cleared the place because they didn't fucking do any curation work. Yeah. Except for like a bunch of, I think it was all ages. So like a bunch of younger folks that heard there was something going on came in and like danced. And nobody really drank anything except for the friends of the promoter who bought more, at least $40 worth of liquor. More on that later. So... We play our very loud rock show yeah. and finish. And um, I see Nolan over at the bar having what seems to be a rather heated discussion with the promoter and the bartender. Okay. And so I'm just like, I don't know, this is probably going to turn into some shit pretty quick, so I'm going to load out. And um, it ends up with us getting thrown out of the bar and them like tossing down the, the gate, like the metal grate that completely shuts the place, uh, no money in hand. And uh, I think we gave them a pretty good night, if memory serves. We like gave them a decent night of the week. Oh. Uh, you know, so the promoter's on the phone, he's like, you know who I fucking know, I'll like, call this person, this, but I'll cancel your whole next month of shows. And so the owner shows back up 
and um, gets in everybody's faces like so aggro. He's like, I've played, I know what it's like, I know what it's like to tour. I've played in front of tens of thousands of people, and it was like, great, pay us, please. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, if you know. He's um, like, we didn't make any money out of the bar. And I was like, that's not even, that's not true. That's like yeah. not true. And so in a big huff, he gave it. He gave us like forty bucks out of his wallet or something, and sped off oh. after like uh, you know squaring up with everybody else. And I think it was like three months later, the bar was up for sale. <laughs> um, uh, a little bit of karmic justice. Kenora, Ontario. I've had like a fun time there and I've had a really heinous time there, but it's not, you know, you know, whenever you have a bad show like that, it's rarely if ever the people's fault. Yeah. It's like the weird shady ass bar owner or like, I don't know the opening band who like totally blows it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's a least favorite city. There's least favorite people in the city. Yeah. That's real, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. What's your biggest pet peeve? People who are willfully ignorant or willingly ignorant of things in life. What's the best album to have sex to? Just before I came here, I was listening to Folkloric Feel by Apostle of Hustle. That's a great album. And I was putting some stuff up in my room. I was like hanging some stuff, nailing some things. And I was I was just thinking like, yeah, this is good. This is groovy. It's down tempo. It's good. Portishead. It's good for that too. I don't often have sex to music, but those seem like sexy albums <laughs> what's your favorite road trip album the courtney's first record if you could get wasted with any musician or just hang out that's fine too dead or alive who would it be if ever i got to a point where i was socially adept enough and could hold my own i think i'd love to sit down with dan bayar and have a drink good answer all right, if you could fight any musician, dead or alive, who would it be? You know, I'd really love to have a very spirited debate with Gene Simmons, because he's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And I would just really love to peel back the veneer that he has on him and like get him riled up about something. Nice. All right, last question. The one that tells us everything we need to know about you. Similar to the Twilight Zone episode, which you may or may not know, if you just found out you were the last person on Earth, what's the very first thing you would do? Never wear clothes again and listen to music as loud as possible. <laughs> right on, Cassia. That's all I got for you. Thank you so much for coming down to the Cups and Cakes booth. No sweat. I love the little blanket for it. <laughs> Shh. It's a, it's a proper studio. Don't, 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 uh, don't tell them out there. Uh, best of luck in all your future endeavors. Cool. Thanks for having me. And now, dear listener, we'll leave you with City Kids from Wares.
your toe You don't take shit from anybody, no You and me, babe, we're just a stone's throw from the city From the city Any city To a city, any city. It's too late I'm led to believe in fairy tales in the city
Cups and Cakes Presents is produced by Jeff McCallum. The feature track was played with permission from Wares. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at MarlowRecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear the original and learn more, go to CupsandCakesPod.com. That's Cups, the letter N, CakesPod.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.